Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me in studio again today is sports reporter Austin Huff on a hot summer day here in the yeah. end of May. Yeah, it's, it is muggy, or as we were doing in our sound test, it is perpetually hot. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make sure the microphones were all working too. So you just uh, want to make Sheila laugh. That's come, all. Coming off a holiday weekend, Greg. How was the How was the holiday for you? It was good. Yeah. This was. I I was trying to remember yesterday back when the last time I did not have to work on Memorial Day because of baseball sectionals, and I really can't tell you. Yeah, I was trying to think about anything I had done that wasn't either like work related or anything of note on Memorial Day. And the last thing I remembered was 2014 and trying to cook burgers in a pouring rain in 2014. That was fun. The no pouring rain this past weekend in, in uh, Michigan. We almost had a, we had a mini tornado watch on uh, Friday night, Saturday night? Saturday night, Saturday right? Night yeah, near watch, South yeah. Bend. That was kind of scary, but we're, yeah. we're doing good. This is not a weather podcast. This no. is a sports podcast, no, is, so we got to get back on track This here. is a sports podcast. In yeah. fact, I'm going to break some news that I just came across this afternoon. Breaking here. news on I this Tuesday, a, May 26th. One of my coaching icon stories with Randy Yoder, who has been the head basketball girls basketball coach at Westview High School for the past 27 years, I believe it is. 27 seasons, yes. Told me when I was interviewed, before I interviewed him for the story today, is that he submitted his resignation this morning as girls basketball coach over there. That is uh, that is big news. He, he has been there, obviously we said 27 seasons. So. Well, and he told me he had about 12 or 13 before that with his twin, twin brother Roger, who does the Westview scorebook for the boys, they were co-coaches in the like seventh grade boys basketball team, and then this, the last four years they coached together, they were at the uh, boys varsity JV level. Wow, I mean so. that's that's incredible. I'm I'm pulling up on some of his records right now: 353 and 239 overall record. Won yeah. seven sectionals. Obviously, in 2006 they made a run to the state championship game. Right. Won the semi-state in 06 uh, and had a run there. Uh, you know. We talk a lot about the success that the boys' basketball program has had at Westview, and rightfully so, but the girls' program has been pretty successful as well under Randy, yes. uh, and obviously they made championship title game runs so under him, and uh, you know it's a it, tough loss. <laughs> Two, both Yoders leaving at yeah, Westview. It's a change. Yoder of, and Randy Yoder both decided to resign the same season. Good for them, you know? He, and, <laughs> Randy told me that he'd, he'd been thinking about this and thinking about it, and earlier in the week he thought he would come back for one more season mm-hmm. at Westview. But then he told me after thinking about it some more, praying about the decision, he just felt God told him it's, it's time to move on to something else. Yeah, and he knows a lot of times, you know, it's hard for coaches to, to leave. They, you know, they want to stay another year, or maybe they don't go out the way they want to, or they're going to, like, yeah. try to get, you know. But to know, to have the peace of mind, to know that, hey, maybe this is it, you know, this is time, just, let's just hang up the hang up the whistle, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah. It's, a, uh, it's, that's, it's, a, it's a rare you see that. So it, it's good to see him knowing that this is his time. And like you said, 27 years there. And he's, he's done basically all he, he could do with that program and taking him to a state championship game and sectional titles, regional, semi-states. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they, they've had a nice program under him for a long time. So it, it was – it was probably time, you know, and, and kudos to him for realizing it was that time. Yeah. So, And he told me he's he's not going to sit back in his rocking chair on the porch because he and his <laughs> brother still own a farm there you go. that they're working. And he's got uh, some volunteer projects he said he wants to 
do now that he has time to do them. So yeah, and I've I've always appreciated Randy. You know, he even in even in defeats, he was always there, willing to talk to me at least after games. And, yes, and he always had something you know wily to say something good to say after a game and he wasn't afraid to talk either he he loves talking and no, that he, that for us is is a blessing and a curse sometimes like you love to hear him talk but sometimes when you're on deadline it's it's a little tricky you like yeah. okay randy we could wrap this up yeah. you know you wish you had the oscars music to play him off stage you know what i mean but uh <laughs> now i always enjoyed our interactions with randy he was a good guy and you know big shoes to replace there uh at westview with the girls basketball program yeah. so yeah, that's big news. And Look at that. Breaking news right here on the podcast. They've, they've produced some very good basketball players over the year. You know, mm-hmm. there was uh, Skylar Carpenter, who she didn't go on to play college basketball, but she ran track, Division One track at Vanderbilt and, University. And she was in our uh, area GOAT bracket yeah. so, from this past March. Also, Tiffany Fisher, she, also, she went on to play D1 volleyball at Purdue. Mm-hmm. Right, and even recently, Ashaya Klopfenstein, who I always can never pronounce her name correctly, but right, her, she I caught I caught her senior year. She was a good player for them last 2018-19 uh, season. So. And she's playing at a junior college out in Montana. Yeah, they have a pipeline to Montana. I think it's a uh, it's a weird kind of setup there, but yeah, she she had a good yeah. season too hey, out there. When you think of Montana, you, do you think of Shipshawana, Indiana? Don't you? I mean, don't you I relate do. those two. Yeah, I obviously do. <laughs> Specifically, Emmatown, Indiana, to be honest. But you know, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, congrats to Randy on gradu- uh, graduating, retiring. He, he's graduating from coaching. That's what he's doing. He's retiring. Well, he's actually a Westview graduate. He is. So he it, played it, on the 1973, which won the first sectional championship in boys' history over there. Yeah, with Gary with Gary Yoder. With Gary Yoder, who uh, who has been in the had been in the news during this past season because Charlie Yoder kept on breaking all of his records. So if you're following along, we've mentioned four Yoders in the last five minutes. So uh, I and don't know if I, they're kind of all – Gary's kind of related to Charlie and Rob. I don't know if Randy's it's related. It's through to, marriage somehow. Yeah. yeah, Yoder married a Yoder. That's right. that's how we were told. So, right. yeah. So, yeah, good for Randy, though. 350, like I said, 350 wins. He's got all the accomplishments he would ever want, you know, outside of a state championship. But, you know, heck of a, heck of a career, man. He came so, close. Yeah, I mean, as close as you can get. So – Closer than most. Yeah. So. yeah, I really enjoyed doing these coaching icon stories about mm-hmm. the coaches that have been at their respective schools for a long time and and have come up with some really funny stories from these people. Yeah, I, I, I loved the uh, Steve Coverstone. Coverstone, that was Coverstone the first one golfing. I was going to bring up. Yeah. yeah, the golfing story, that's amazing. Yeah. When he, he yeah. told me when he uh, Steve, his dad, started teaching him how to play golf as a youngster, took him out to an Indian Hills golf course, and Steve would say, I'd get so mad hitting the balls that the ball that he said I'd throw my clubs down, but he said my dad was really patient with me. <laughs> he said, I always had trouble getting loft on the ball or getting the ball up in the air. So he said he's out he was out in the yard one day at home at their home practicing shots and hits a ball. It goes right through the picture window of the house. And his dad is sitting in the in the living room there watching a professional bowling tournament on TV. <laughs> and he said Dad was really good about it. He didn't get angry. He just looked at me and said, congratulations, son. He said, you finally got the ball up in the air. <laughs> I, I think the biggest takeaway from that is they had professional bowling tournaments on television back then. They did. Wow. I mean, I knew it was kind of big. And like when I was a kid and the ESPN used to be on all the time on yeah. Sunday. It was, if I remember right, it was on ABC. Yeah. On Sundays for me growing up, it was pool. You had billiards on uh, on ABC on ESPN two. You had the bowling on ESPN, 
It was yeah. the best. And uh, that's funny, though. That's a great story. Yeah. It, oh, it was hilarious. I, yeah. I could hardly keep from laughing when I was talking to him. <laughs> and Steve's a great guy. I mean, just talking to him, just yeah. like he's he's one of the more interesting coaches we get to come across, I think, yeah. in our times and the among the he, people we get to interact with. So. He's one of those guys that doesn't say a whole lot, but there's a lot of meat in what he does say. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, he's got that. Like, he doesn't try to beat around the bush too much. He kind of goes straight at it and no. and goes. Uh, so, I really enjoy talking to him. And I, I can never tell also if he's looking at me or not. It's very interesting. He's a very interesting guy in that way. He's always kind of looking around, and it's like, hey, are we, are we talking here? I can't tell, but I, I enjoy our conversation yeah. with him. He's a nice guy. So, yeah. yeah, you've been able to have a couple cool stories here. Mike, yeah. Mike Wynn as Mike well. Mike Wynn is another good one. Goshen yeah. cross country. Uh, 27 he, years Mike has been coaching. That's impressive. Boys, boys cross country at Goshen. That's impressive. Yeah, it is. I like I know this is like we I don't mean to bring up the age thing all the time but like these guys have been coaching longer than I've been alive, which is like really interesting. Like I love talking to people who have like coached for that long and you've been obviously talking to them all recently, but I like reading their stories that you've been writing about them too. It's just like yeah. really interesting to hear their perspectives about how you know, their coaching career started and what it's been like to be at the schools for so long and things like that. So yeah. one of the cool things I thought about Mike was that, uh, he ran for Goshen high school, ran mm-hmm. for coach Rick Clark when he was in, at high school. And he told me that Rick sat him down between his junior and senior seasons and told him, he said, Mike, you're a talented runner. He said, you've got all kinds of ability, but he said, you don't believe in yourself. He said, next year, I need you to believe in yourself. Go out there and run with confidence. Mike goes out his senior season, wins individual titles in the the Elkhart Central Sectional, the Regional, the Semi-State down at Manchester, and finishes third in the state that year after that pep talk from Rick Clark. That's that's pretty amazing. That's incredible. Like, what what a run, literally, to, yeah. get, to make, that, make that postseason run. You don't, you don't see many kids from our area getting – that high individually at state. So no. to have a third place finish that year is incredible. To think in fact, about. there's there's only been two Goshen runners in history that have finished higher than he did in the state meet. Mm-hmm. That was a guy by the name of Jerry Rarick who who finished second in the second race back in 1946. For some reason, I don't know why they had two races that year. <laughs> that is weird. Was it like a class system before they before I, the class I don't system think so. they got rid it of it? It just says first race and second race on the huh. results. Like so two heats? That's weird. And That's interesting. Uh, Maury Klein finished second in the state in nineteen seventy six. Yeah. Is the other Goshen runner that finished so that high. Pretty pretty elite company for, for Coach Wynn there. Yeah. And now he's and then he did he eventually replace Clark, right? That, is that is yes. that correct? And he obviously has been When Rick resigned to and, take the job at Goshen College. Right. So and uh, yeah, that's a um, that's crazy that he's been coaching for that long. You know, yeah. it's just twenty seven years. It's and what one, one of the things Mike is probably best known for is his whistle. <laughs> he has one of the loudest, <laughs> shrillest whistles I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's it's really comparable to the Westview Whistler at oh. the boys' basketball games. Can you do a other whistle? Can no, you do, no, I, I cannot can't do. And he uses this to. He, a one of his runners, former runners, told me he uses it in practice when they need to pick up the tempo, and he also uses it during meets to encourage his runners. Mm-hmm. And this this guy told me it's so loud <laughs> that even over the noise of the crowd at like a sectional or regional cross country meet where there's a lot of people there, he said you can still hear Mike whistling. 
That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's impressive more than it anything. Is. It's impressive and crazy, but also very impressive. I can't like do the whistle where you do it really loud. I'm not going to try to whistle now. I'm sure it's going to pop the microphones or something, so I won't do that. Sheila's already frowning at yeah. you for mentioning yeah. that even. So. Yep. So uh, this will be on your sports trivia quiz at the end of the season, Sheila, about who's the whistling guys, uh, who are the Westry Whistler and Coach Mike Wynn. So yeah. just be ready for that. And, and for then, some reason, it seems like I've had a, a string of cross-country coaches here because of the uh, story I've got is probably going to be going – in Thursday's paper at this point in time, it looks yeah. like is about Ryan McLean, who's been coaching the Northridge girls for 20 years. Yeah, he's and they've they've obviously had a, an incredible program. Oh, like incredible! Just one of the one of the top in the, not in the just this area, not in just this area, but in the state at times in the last decade well, plus. He, Ryan is a Northridge graduate, and he ran for Ken Willems, who mm-hmm. would probably have to be called the father of the Northridge country cross country program. Yeah. He was in the, our local goat goat racket as well. So. At one time, the Northridge girls had a dual meet regular season winning streak of 113 meets. I mean, that's incredible. Like that's it's insane. 113 in a row, like nine years or something. To like never that. lose, like to never lose. That's insane. That's un- like yeah. that's unbelievable. Like it's almost the same thing what you're seeing with Northwood girls golf right now, where they have they've won like 56 straight conference meets like and it's yeah. like, is anyone gonna beat him like it's incredible to watch really yeah so mclean though 20 years and he's doing a great job obviously he, has, <laughs> I mean, he took over the girls program in 1998 and from the year 2000 to 2017 they won the sectional every year except for one season i mean <laughs> literally like death taxes northridge girls track cross country winning a sectional like that's yeah. what it was so in fact, I think one of my leads on a, one of the NLC cross-country meets one year is that they should rename it the Northridge Lakes <laughs> Conference they for cross-country. They honestly should. I mean, that's how dominant they've been. And, yeah. like, to not only just, you know, to be able to sustain that type of a program, especially when you change coaches, like when you go from a legendary coach in Willems to, you know, and McLean, to be able to sustain that is truly remarkable because, like, you tend to – see like maybe coaches could take a step out like new coach maybe the program goes down a little bit but to be able to sustain that truly excellent yeah. program consistently year in year out is remarkable yeah one of the things i asked ryan is that when you took the job i mean he was still in college when he took the job he told me he actually because he wanted to teach at northridge so bad he took the job in the fall of his last two years of college took the fall semester off so he could be here to coach the teams and then he would go back to Purdue in the in the spring. Wow! And do his work. Wow, that's amazing. Because he said that he figured his he wanted to teach U.S. history and social studies, and he figured the best way to get his get his foot in the door was by coaching through coaching. Wow. Well, has it worked out? Yeah, it has worked out. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's worked out. So, because I asked him, if, I said, "Did you have any idea that you would stay this long?" Mm-hmm. And he said, no. He said, when I got into coaching, he said, there were two guys in the conference, Alan Shockney down at Plymouth and Dave Stuckey down at Wawasee, who'd both been coaching for 30 to 40 years. And he said, I looked at those guys and he said, I cannot see myself doing it for that long. Mm-hmm. And now he says, 20 years later, he said, I can't see myself getting out of coaching. <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, not come full circle, but it's changed like that. For yeah. Him. Yeah. Now he's going to be one of the guys that's there for 30, 40 years. So he, it's kind of fun when that happens. And, uh, yeah. And 
that's what I think is really cool about this coaching icon series that you're doing is it's a lot of these coaches aren't coaching, you know, football, boys basketball, like the main sports. And I think it's a really cool way to kind of spotlight some of these guys who have been in the coaching ranks for a long time in this community and the communities and don't necessarily coach the premier sports, so to say, you know, and we'll have the story about Randy Yoder coming up too, obviously, who we've talked about earlier. Yeah. And uh, his story will be coming later this week. And he's, I think, the only like basketball coach. I mean, we had couple boys tennis coaches matt miller at uh bethany christian and greg reedsiker and west West noble Noble. a lot of cross-country coaches uh coverstone coverstone obviously coaches boys golf um so you've it's been a really cool variety of stories uh brad dirksen uh, boys soccer at northwood you know so it's really cool i feel like to kind of shine a light kind of with the unsung athletes and the behind the scenes workers stories that i'm doing you know, really spotlight some of these people who have been in the community for a long time and maybe don't get that, you know, spotlight treatment sometimes, but, you know. Well, it, you know, it's an unfortunate fact of our business. These stories are probably brought to you by the COVID-19 virus. <laughs> oh, they because are. Because if, if, if it wasn't for that, we'd be covering spring sports. Austin yeah. I would be out covering games all the time. Right. And we wouldn't have time to write these feature yeah. type stories. It's a blessing. Uh, it's That's one of the weird like positives of this whole right. pandemic. It's like we've been able to really spotlight some people that, you know, we Deserve wouldn't necessarily. Deserve the recognition. Right, they do, absolutely. But, but right now, I mean, this week is supposed to be the start of sectional baseball and softball and track, and boys golf is getting into the final week of the season. And, you know, we were supposed to be, you're supposed to be sending me to wherever softball's playing this week, you know, Plymouth or Warsaw or Elkhart, you know. like. Yeah. I was looking forward to getting that gas reimbursement mileage, and now I don't. And I don't get that, so it's tough. It's a tough life, but we still get to write some cool stories, and I think we're doing a cool job with them. And uh, yeah. yeah, I've been I've been cool. I've been lucky to get to these behind the scenes stories. I think the best little antidote from any of them is the uh, one about Amber Mallon, the trainer at West Noble, and uh, the legend around mustard, the condiment down there. Yes, about how apparently mustard helps with cramping athletes. So leave, leave it to West Noble to be a trendy <laughs> trendsetter in the medical profession. So uh, it was kind of funny because I was doing the interview with Amber and she works at Parkview Sports Medicine and someone else from Parkview was on the phone call with us just to make sure I didn't like try to take down Parkview, I guess. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, so I asked Amber about the mustard thing and she almost like she started laughing and I'm like well do you want your supervisors to hear about this <laughs> at all and the supervisor was like I kind of want to hear about this mustard thing so uh yeah so they it's become a thing now when a player goes down with cramps the student section starts chanting mustard uh I, I had never heard that before I've heard pickle juice yeah as a possible remedy for cures and cramps so, so yeah mustard but. mustard is apparently the thing so uh, yeah, I thought that was really funny, but is that uh, yellow mustard, Dijon mustard? Yeah, I don't or? know. I don't know if there's a certain brand you have to get to cure it. Um, but yes, mustard uh, is is the way to I go. Mean, the, so. the PA announcer can't go over the public address system <laughs> at football site. Does anybody have any Grey Poupon? <laughs> Dude, I want to see him run to get mustard packets out of the concession stands. I think that would be kind there of fun. Go. Get the crowd involved. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, so we've been able to write some cool stories there. And uh, Tim Fritz from Fairfield, 
that story got a lot of love on our website. Uh, Fairfield uh, assistant athletic director has been working at the school for 28 years. I was actually getting my doing my laundry, and the laundry worker who had the place, she was saying that uh, her daughter talked about Mr. Fritz had a story written about him in the paper, and they checked to see who was written by, and it was me because it was very exciting. So we had we had a moment at the laundromat uh, on this morning. So it was great. Tim and I always tease, tease back and forth a little bit because. He says he's not a Tigers fan, but he always wears that darn Detroit Tigers <laughs> cap. Yeah, he looks good in it. I mean, I guess. So maybe it's a fashion statement. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's been fun to he was fun to talk to. And I I you know, I've seen Tim you know, numerous times at Fairfield events. He's always there and yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's and, a staple at Fairfield Athletic events. Yeah, he's awesome. So and we've got a couple more coaching stories and behind the scenes workers coming this week and uh this is yep. also the last week of the Goshen College Goats series as well. I'm very sad. It's This is the end of an era. I mean, I, I've had at least two stories to write a week for the last eight weeks with this series. It's been really cool for me to look at some of the Goshen College athletes. And, you know, I, I, as someone, you know, obviously not from the area, it's really cool to learn about some of these legends of Goshen College in the yeah. past. And, you know, learning about John Karanja, Car- uh, the men's track star and obviously hearing about his passing was really sad and um you know just being able to shine a spotlight on some of these athletes like tina peters four-time national champ and uh last week also with penny achayo from uganda mm-hmm. she's more than 7500 miles away she she knows because she she had to count uh, and just seeing how she dominated in volleyball and hearing her recruiting story about filming a recruiting video playing on a dirt field with cows grazing in the background and and the coaches somehow saw a good vertical leap out of that video oh. and brought her in and she is the only player in history with 2,000 career kills in Goshen College history only ever conference player of the year and right she, she was, had yeah. she had a great vertical jump I remember watching her and she yeah. she could get up there superstar superstar player and and for me personally it was cool because I you know, posted the story about her on, on Twitter and uh, Eric McCollum, who I profiled, I guess, the, kind of the first one all the way back in April, the basketball men's basketball player. He replied saying that, you know, Penny was the goat. Like she was a great to play. And Penny and Eric were in my like were uh, going back and forth on Twitter, just catching up almost like about mm-hmm. they both have kids or Eric's about to have a son. Uh, it's, it was really cool to kind of like see Penny and Eric like interacting on, on social media together for me personally, at least. Yeah. So it's been really cool to kind of shine a light on these, those athletes too. And, and again, stories we probably wouldn't write without the COVID yeah. pandemic, but it's, it's, I think we're, we're turning, we're making the best of a situation. I called it the biggest curveball in sports journalism history with nothing to report I mean no games to report on a lot of the news we're reporting is the same about the COVID oh you know when's this league going to start or this league's going to start like so I think we've handled it about as well as you could right now we have maybe we may have major league baseball in our futures if we can hit a curveball now we 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 we, you know what I still got a year of eligibility left somewhere I think so let's 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 try it so yeah so there was a couple other national national quick, news quick story, things. Yeah. Uh, did you? How much of the match did you watch this past Sunday? Greg? I probably watched about half of it. Yeah, I caught from hole five on. This was the celebrity uh, charity golf match with Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning going against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. 
uh, Phil or Tiger and Peyton won the match, won one up. It was a mm-hmm. match place scoring. Uh, Tom Brady had the highlight of the day, hitting that shot in for about 150 yards on the seventh hole after Chuck uh, Charles Barkley was calling him out on the broadcast. <laughs> Brady puts it in from 150 out, and Brady starts trash-talking Charles yeah. <laughs> right back. It was awesome. That was funny to have the guys mic'd and have them talking to the, guy, the guys who were announcing the meet. And, mm-hmm. you know, people call it, businesses calling in and saying, hey, I'll pledge a million five yeah if you do such and such on this hole yeah and they had already uh they had already raised 10 million before they'd already pledged 10 million before the match and then they end up raising an additional 10 million during the match so they ended up donating 20 million dollars for COVID 19 relief funds that was super awesome uh that's a great you know great cause obviously in this time and it was just it was fun to hear these guys mic'd up it was it was also fun to see tom brady be mortal he was not not the best golfer in the world, so no. that was encouraging. That you know reassures a lot of people that you know just because he's great at football doesn't mean he's great at everything. You know, I think he may have had the one of the funniest things. I'm pretty sure it was Brady. He was he was getting ready to hit a go up to the tee on this, and one of the announcers said, you know, hey, it stopped raining, but he said all of a sudden you have rain your rain suit pants on. Mm-hmm. And Brady just kind of said, "Yeah." He said, "I ripped my," he said, "I ripped my pants on that last shot." He said, "I think it was from the torque I had in my swing." <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. He had to had to play the last twelve holes on his rain pants. That was yeah. kind of funny, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was just a nice like kind of escape from the world for a little bit. I, I wasn't necessarily planning on watching it, but then once I saw people on social media saying this was a lot of fun, I, I turned it on and I and I couldn't turn it off. It was really entertaining. Well so apparently there were a lot of people who were interested in it because I saw it today on an AP wire story that it was the most watched golf telecast in cable TV history. That's crazy. You it's, would think well, yeah, in cable TV that might make yeah, because obviously you get some of those majors are played on CBS or, or you know, yeah. NBC, but yeah, I'm I'm not so that is that is kind of surprising in a sense though, because some of those yeah. early round tournaments or you know the majors early rounds are like on TNT or whatever, or, you know. So it's that's yeah. fascinating to see. Did it say how many people watched? Did you write that down? It said 5.8 million viewers. That's that's impressive, honestly. The previous record was 4.9 million. In the 2010 Masters, when Tiger Woods made his return, yeah, yeah, that's crazy to think about. So, good. That's a that's a good number for that. I mean, people were entertained at least. So, well, I was entertained. At I least. think it's it's got a lot to do with the fact like people are hungry for sports. Oh yeah, and there was just there was no other sports on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that they did not move the NASCAR race earlier in the day. Yeah. To kind of go to go around to it, to go after some of that crowd, because mm-hmm. you know there were supposed to be three major auto races on Sunday. There was a Grand Prix, right? The, Monaco, the Monaco Grand Prix, the, the Indy Five Hundred, and the Coca Cola Six Hundred. You know they've got them all spaced out for television, right. but yet the Coca Cola Six Hundred was the only one of those three races that was actually held. Mm-hmm. And it stayed at its night nighttime, right? I think it's. St- came on at right. like six o'clock or something. So the match and also the match like had some rain delay, you know, to start it. So they were delayed a little bit. So that didn't end until about like eight fifteen Eastern. Well, so and then the race had the a race rain, was already race had a rain delay too and they didn't end until yeah. close to midnight, I think it was. I'm not a big race guy necessarily. Did you watch any of the Coca Cola? I did. 
So I saw Keselowski won. Basically, I was watching at the end to see when the race was going to be over (laughs) so I could figure out what time to start looking for an AP story to get it up on our website so I could let people know uh, who won the race. Yeah, NASCAR, we talked about it last week. They're back doing their thing. They had three races last week, and they got two more scheduled for this week. They got another one at Charlotte on Wednesday, and then they're going to Bristol, Tennessee on Sunday for another race. Right. So they're going to do five races in two weeks in a two-week span here so hopefully they can uh get them all in you know weather permitting of course um and an interesting thing this morning too i saw on the on the ap wire four members of denny hamlin's crew are suspended for four races because a 35 pound piece of tungsten steel fell off his car during the race during the coca-cola 600 (laughs) well Apparently, they use those as like to control the weight of the car because uh-huh. everybody's car has to weigh about has within, a, within yeah. a certain range. Yeah, you know, because they don't want somebody, uh, you know, making their car real light so it's faster. Right. So they right. have to have these weights on there, and this thing apparently fell off right That's, around the start of the race. And I then, guess it was. and they never put it back on. They didn't notice. Well, it. I don't. I don't know. I, they yeah. They put it back on, but by the time he got back out on the track, he was so far behind he couldn't do anything. Huh? But it's a it's a NASCAR rule. Yeah, I mean that if makes that sense. If that falls off like that, that you you've got to face an automatic four race suspension. Huh? I mean that makes sense. I guess. You yeah. Know, you don't want to be anyone cheating, but that's crazy. So I mean, four races are going to happen here like in two weeks. So I mean, they're going to be out here for a while. So yeah. But yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, good luck. Hamlin won the race last week at Dar- the second race at Darlington last Wednesday. So he's you know, he just won recently. So that's that's a tough break for that Hamlin team. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I'm not a huge race guy, but uh, you know, I might turn it on because it's you know not much else going on <laughs> right now in the world on Sunday. The Food City 500 at Bristol. I don't know if that gets your uh, gets you uh, excited there or not, but I might have to swing it and turn it on just to you know yeah. see it. So. But yeah, uh, I think I'm good for the week here, well, Greg. I don't know if you got anything else you want to talk I, about. I got one thing of baseball trivia. But he said you always like to learn things, and I, I do I like to keep learn things. Our uh, producer Sheila up to date for mm-hmm. quiz at the end of the season here. Now. Mm-hmm. Today is the 60th anniversary of Baltimore Orioles catcher Clint Courtney using the big mitt to catch knuckleball pitcher Hoyt Wilhelm uh-huh. against the New York Yankees. Well, there you go. The mitt was about 50% larger than a normal catcher's mitt that they used in the major league at the time, simply to try and control the knuckleball because it floats and goes, you know. Yeah, Even the knuckleball pitcher says he doesn't know exactly where it's going to go. Right. It's kind of the the allure of the knuckleball. But apparently the glove worked that day because he had no issues with pitches getting by him, I think. And the Orioles actually beat the Yankees 3-2 in that game. Well, there you go. So that's that's – I, do they allow catchers to wear bigger gloves for knuckleball pitchers now? I don't know if that's still allowed. I, I think they do. I think you can have a modified glove because I, I mean, yeah. you don't see them often anymore. I mean, R.A. Dickey, well, I think, was the last I was one. Say, there aren't too many knuckleball right. pitchers in, around anymore. Like, for there's only really been two that I can really remember in my life. It was R.A. Dickey who won the Cy Young, doing that with the Blue Jays or yeah. uh, the Mets in 2012, and Tim Wakefield was a big knuckleball yeah. guy. Uh, but other than that, I don't really remember any knuckleball pitchers the, uh, in my the, life. The White Sox had a guy by the name of Wilbur Wood. He yeah. was a big knuckleball pitcher. In fact, he started 
both ends of a doubleheader in his I mean, career one time. There's no torque really on the arm. There's no stress <laughs> on your arm, yeah. Throwing the knuckleball, so that's funny though. Yeah, I yeah, you don't see it often. So I guess we're gonna need a knuckleball pitcher to come up and so we could remember if we can use big gloves for them or not. Yeah. So that's fun. I just thought that little yeah. bit of trivia there was tidbit. interesting for Write today. that down, Sheila. Write that down. Knuckleball. That will be on the quiz. The, the first question the will be spelled knuckleball. <laughs> <laughs> She's got that one down. So yeah. awesome. Okay, folks, that will wrap up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. And tune in next week for another issue.